Hello, this is episode seven of the Corporate Flight Attendant Podcast. I am Jennifer. I have been a contract corporate flight attendant for over five years. I give you the brutally honest truth of this job, and I'm telling you, you cannot find it anywhere else. So I'm glad you came to the right place. I also have a book. You can look in the show notes of how to get it. I've been getting amazing feedback. I do not repeat information between this podcast and the book. So the book would be invaluable to you. So check that out. Anyone who wants to give me any suggestions, topics, feedback, or just have questions about the job or the industry in general, definitely email me at freespiritpodcast, that's with an S, at gmail.com. Every week I talk about COVID and how the industry is faring in COVID. This week I'm making a prediction that in January 2021, the rich will be flying a lot more. Why? Because they love to travel in winter, they're sick of being at home, and they're going to start looking at their fiscal year and say, wow, we need to start making some money. We need to start traveling to certain countries. So what I'm hoping is new year, new outlook. Hopefully many of these countries will be opening to Americans again. I believe select warm countries will be opening to Americans so they can visit. Who knows what will happen? We've been hearing two camps. One, COVID's going to be rampant in the winter. Two, we're all wearing masks. We're all staying away from each other. We're doing the right things. Flu and COVID won't be that bad. So let's see what happens. But that is my prediction. And I was correct that private aviation would start going again in September. And it did. And here we are in October. Okay, so today I'm going to talk about the front layout of a private jet. Now this is a little tough because you have many types of private jets, right? By the way, if you hear that, that is my dog pawing at her blanket and I can't stop <laughs> I can't stop her from doing that. Once she's in that mode, I cannot stop her. I apologize for that. You have the bigger private jets, well I should say the huge private jets, like a Boeing business jet or a BBJ, and that is your casino flying, that is your sports team flying, right? But then you have something like a hawker, which most flight attendants never even see the inside of a hawker. I have, it's a rare thing, I had a trip on a hawker once, that's H-A-W-K-E-R, if you want to look that up. Mostly, they do not have flight attendants on hawkers because they're so small, but I had the privilege of being on one. If you think of a private jet that seats seven people versus a business Boeing jet that seats many, many passengers, we want to pick something in between to understand the layout of a plane. And what I'm picking is a Gulfstream. Why am I choosing Gulfstream? Because the name is just synonymous with luxury and media and pop culture. Anytime you see someone on a baller jet, right now it's the Gulfstream 650 or the G650. For example, in the TV show Billions, they film on a G650. Gulfstreams come out in series. Let's say 20 years ago, the baller Gulfstream was called a G400 or a G4. The next one they put out, G450. The next one, G500 or a G5. 
In fact, when I watched the show Entourage, that was the baller private jet at the time. The G5, Kesha mentions it in a song. So that was the big one. Then they put out the G550, the G600, and now the big one is the G650. If you have a G650, you're golden. You're like top of the top of the top. However, this year, we now have coming out a G7 or a G700. And your homework assignment or your tip of the week, I always have a tip of the week, is to go on YouTube and search the G700 or the G7. And all you have to do is just type in Tor a G700 or a Gulfstream 700 and it will come up. I love this saying in the industry. You'll remember this. If you've seen one Gulfstream, you've seen one Gulfstream. And they say this because golf streams are all different. If you're on one G650, it's going to look different from the next G650. Some of the attributes are the same with the emergency exits and things like that and the windows, but most of the time it's it's a completely different plane even though it's the same model. In this episode, I'm going to be using some industry terms you should get to know, so I just want to define them. A galley, that's spelled G-A-L-L-E-Y, that is your little kitchen on the plane. That's where you'll be preparing food. The lav, that's spelled L-A-V, is the lavatory or the bathroom. And the term aft, A-F-T, means the back of the plane. So again, using the G650 as an example, the galley can be in the front of the plane or in the aft, in the back of the plane. Why aft galleys, why they suck, is because the bathroom is behind you. When passengers have to go to the bathroom, they have to walk through the small galley to get there. And that to me, it's kind of, actually it's kind of gross to me because if I had the money and I was a billionaire, why would you not put the galley in the front of the plane? It's so much smarter. Let's say the plane's full with 14 passengers. All those 14 passengers are constantly interrupting while you're trying to prepare food. And keep in mind that the galley is next to the bathroom, which again is a little gross to me. So not my cup of tea, but hey. Also on a longer trip, let's say you have a 12 hour trip. You're in the air 12 hours. It's at night. There's nowhere to sit or the owner won't let you sit, which is very common that the owner won't let you sit because he wants the seats to himself or his guests or there's just no room. Well, guess what? You're standing the entire time unless you have some type of little stool to sit on or chair and it's not fun. That's another reason why I do not like the aft galley. Why the forward galley is so much better is because you have a door and you can close it. It's so nice. You do not have to see the passengers unless you go back into cabin, which I love. And then a lot of times they have a crew rest and the crew rest is in between the galley and the cockpit where the pilots sit. So you have a crew rest, which we refer to jokingly as a penalty box. And all it is, is just a seat that sometimes can lay out into a bed and a desk you can pull down. And I love it because if you have time, you can you can do whatever you need to do if you have time on a trip. And I really enjoy that. And it's your own private space. And then if you have 
a front lav, you don't have to go to the bathroom in front of the passengers, neither do the pilots. And also with a front lab, you're right next to the pilots. You can serve them easily. If there's a safety issue, you're right there. So I cannot say enough about having a front lav. Be careful of long trips and three pilots. On certain longer trips, often they have three pilots. One sits in the jump seat while the other two fly and they rotate. But if they know there's a crew rest there, they will try to take naps and sleep. For example, if you have a 10-hour trip, let's say they use nine of those hours and, and each of them get three hours worth of sleep. I've seen this happen. This happened to me. They did not include me in the rest. So I got no sleep whatsoever. And I didn't appreciate that. I'll be honest. I think if you're all taking turns napping, I don't understand why I can't have a little bit of a nap. I believe the two pilots were just so concerned because it was a new owner. And the other pilot was a little bit clueless and rude. But everything turned out fine. We only did that going into Saudi Arabia. And then the rest of the trip was fine. If I had flown with them a lot, I would have spoken up. And I would urge you to speak up. There's no reason that you have to be tortured while they're taking three-hour naps. It just doesn't make sense. For the entertainment system on a plane, certain planes take a while for the entertainment system or the computer system to boot. For example, on Gulfstream, on Global, they take a while to start up. So it's not like you can go right on the plane and all of a sudden start working on the entertainment system. It's not like that. The plane will take a little while to start up and then the entertainment system will take a little while to start up. The best thing you can do is make friends with the mechanic because that mechanic will show you how everything works. When you order catering, especially if it's breakfast, even if it's lunch or dinner, make sure you order a sandwich, a breakfast sandwich for the mechanic so they're not forgotten about. You're, you're not expected to you know, sit down on the plane and, and serve them unless they're flying with you, which most likely they aren't. But even before that trip, it makes a big difference to them. You offer them water, you offer them coffee, you say, hey, I ordered you this breakfast sandwich and they'll love you and they'll really help you out. The three things that you're responsible for in regard to the entertainment system when you get on the plane are the lights, the air show, which is the flight map, and the water tanks, making sure they're full. All you do for the water tanks is you hit a button on the system and you see it shows full, not full, half full, quarter full. It's really the easiest thing in the world. Sometimes you get these companies where they're super staffed with maintenance people. In one company I worked at, that was the case. One mechanic and two maintenance people did not check the water tanks. We were on an eight-hour flight to Paris. About halfway into the flight, I noticed this water is not working. Water's trickling out. I'm not getting any water in the lab to flush the toilet. I had to get the captain, who was the director of aviation, out of his seat, and he said, the water's out. These guys did not fill the tanks. Uh-oh. So he, I had to hand him bottles of water to manually put in the water tanks. Luckily, we could do it from the interior. The water tank was in the jacket closet or the coat closet right next to the entry door. And it was just lucky that he was able to do it from inside. And we went through so many bottles of water 
just pouring it in, pouring it in. And I'm impressed that he knew how to do it. I know for a fact that mechanic and the two maintenance people were reprimanded for that. And I could have helped out the situation. All I had to do was literally click on two buttons and I could have told them before we took off, hey, the water tanks aren't full instead of causing this huge issue. I did not get in trouble for it, but still I could have helped out. So always check those things. You'll also find that on some planes, the air show is in a strange place. The air show again is your little flight map showing where you are as you're flying. On this G4 I used to work on, it was in this strange storage cabinet. In the back, you had to lift up the lid and there was the entertainment system. I would have never found it. There was a table setting over it. There was a fruit basket. I just thought it was somewhere they wanted to eat. So again, if you can't find anything, ask the mechanics before you take off. The TV systems can be complicated. It completely depends on the plane. It depends on the subscription to the internet and to TV that these owners buy. So some of them have no internet on the plane to some of them have internet that streams over the ocean. It's everything in between. I fly with an owner that owns a team in England and he likes to watch that team's games. And they're often in the morning because they're on English time, which is fine, but he didn't pay for the subscription of over the ocean. So when we start to hit the Atlantic or Pacific, then he knows that the live TV will go out. Also with the internet, again, it depends on the subscription, but from what I've seen, let's say 90% of the time, the internet does not work until you get up to 10,000 feet in the air. And a lot of passengers don't realize that, especially if, the, if it's their first time on a plane or a private jet. So just explain it. Yes, sir, ma'am, I'm sorry, but the internet does not work until we get to 10,000 feet. And that's it. Make sure you know the internet password because that's a big deal. What I do is I write it down. I write down the network and the password and I hand it to the passenger if they ask. It makes it much easier and then they end up handing it out. I would say 50% of passengers come on and they just use their iPad. God bless them. They've already downloaded movies. They're really savvy. They know what they're doing. All they want to do is sit there with the headphones and not talk to you. And I love those passengers. They bring their own iPad. They bring their own fancy headphones and great. But then the other half of them, you have to provide the headphones well, or the plane has to provide them. And you have to know how to work the DVD player, which is often tricky. I know it sounds like a simple thing. It's not. So make sure you know how to use the DVD player before you take off because a lot of times it's a really big deal. And here's a good tip that I am going to give you. I've had pilots say to me, oh no, this family never watches DVDs. Or, oh no, this guy never drinks. Don't, don't put any alcohol on the plane. Never ever believe that. Always bring everything, charge everything, know how everything works because you do not know who they may bring on or they may just have a day where they're like, you know what, today is 
Groundhog's Day and I want a glass of wine. Always be prepared. So it's the same with the DVD player. Always know how to work it. With the headphones, they're a big deal. With the headphones stocked on the plane, ask the mechanic, are they charged? A lot of these headphones nowadays are charged. They're on batteries. They have to be charged up. The mechanic usually knows this, and that's a very important thing. Know where the headphones are. Know how to use the headphones. Sit in the seat. Pretend you're a passenger. Pop in a DVD. Look at all the remote controls on their passenger seat and know how to use them. So in flight, when they ask a question, you're not embarrassed or you're not, okay, I don't know how to use this. It's your best friend to be prepared and to be overprepared. What supersedes all of this, and I'm sure you know the answer because you're all smart, is the first thing you do when you go on a private jet as a flight attendant is you make sure the safety equipment is there. That is your number one job. The first time you go on any type of new private jet to you, you will have a checklist where you and the pilot go down this checklist and he signs off that he showed you everything and you sign off. This is common. Then when you go on again, it doesn't matter. I don't care if you've been on this jet 500 times. Get in the habit of every time when you go on you find the safety card, which is either in the armrest of the passenger seat or in the back of the seat. And on that safety card, you will see a map of the jet and you will see where all the safety equipment is located. So what you do is you take that card and you find all the safety equipment. If you can't find anything, ask the pilots. It's okay, just ask the pilots. For example, Sometimes the oxygen outlet is in a strange place where it's behind something. I've had that happen. I've had a lot of problems finding the crash axe. Sometimes the crash axe is in a weird, strange place. Sometimes the medical kit is stuffed behind all the jackets in some weird closet. Ask the pilots. They should know, and if the mechanic is there, he or she should definitely know. All right, so I've given you a lot of information today. Today was a longer episode. I think this is so important to give you the layout of the plane in sections and in pieces because when you take your first trip, you can always go back to this episode and say, okay, what did Jennifer say about this? Okay, check. Let me make my own list. DVDs, headphones, blah, 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 safety first. I believe that's the best way to do it so you can absorb all this information. So in the following weeks this year, can you believe we're talking about the end of the year? In the following weeks, stay tuned because we'll talk about the galley, which I've already started making notes on. There's so much to talk about the cabin, the bedroom area, the cargo. I'd love for you to know all of this information because it will give you a major leg up when getting on a private jet. But it's a lot of info, so that's why we have to do it in different episodes. I want you guys to definitely take in, absorb things, ask me questions. Email me at freespiritpodcast, that's with an S, at gmail.com and ask me any questions. If anything about today, please feel free to ask me. Remember to watch the G7 or G700 video. I think that would be really cool and helpful for you to see. In the meantime, buy my book. 
Again, getting great reviews. It's in the show notes below. It's 15 bucks. It's invaluable information. Today, I'm giving you information I would have killed to know before going on my first jet. Even if you're in the business, right? Even if you're newer and you're in the business, this is information that you would have killed to know. And it's the same with my book. You can always catch me at my other podcast, Two Enlightened Bitches. When you see the image of the red wine glass, you are in the right place. We love talking about the metaphysical. We're irreverent. We're funny. It's myself, Michelle, and I. We're two award-winning authors, so check that out. Have a beautiful week and happy flying.